already Wednesday. Somehow the NFL draft is almost exactly two weeks from tomorrow and life just keeps pushing on. But hey, we'll take it. The NFL draft is one of my favorite times of the year. Hopefully it's your favorite time of the year. And that's why we're going to bring you all the Bengals draft previews and discussions right here on this podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik here with you. And before we jump in, folks, I forgot to remind you guys yesterday, but make sure you sign up for our newsletter, the Strictly Stripes newsletter. It's very easy. It's free. It lands in your inbox every morning. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. And when you want to sign up, click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter. And again, it takes just a second, and you'll get all of the insights and reporting from me, Mike, and Andrew every day during the week. And, of course, if you haven't signed up for Cincinnati Football Insider, that's our subtext service uh, where we bring you all of the uh, breaking news and insights and opinions on the team before it hits social media, before it even hits the web. You are part of the Cool Kids Club. And, again, easy to sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a two-week free trial to start, and if you want to stick with it, it's $4.99 a month. But again, if you don't want to stick with it after two weeks or during the two weeks, you can cancel any time, but you're not going to want to cancel because, like I said, it's a lot of fun. This is the fun club. This is, this is why we do this podcast. But, yeah, make sure you go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and sign up. So we, we've talked about just about every major area of need for the Bengals, both sides of the trenches, cornerback. Uh, running back, tight end. We even talked about safety on Monday. But there's a question of like, there's, you know, you got to think, what is the one area that we haven't talked about that maybe, just maybe, we might not be giving enough attention to as far as like what the Bengals might need in this year's draft? Do you guys think out of all that we've talked about, there's just something we haven't mentioned that just might be hiding as far as like what the Bengals need to focus on in the draft? I think there is, but before I say what it is, I want to see where you guys think it is if we're on the same page. Yeah, so, you know, I think when you look at mock drafts that we do, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, just on our own time or, or kind of the mock drafts that we've officially done or, you know, mock drafts that fans do, they, they kind of conveniently uh, and conveniently in air quotes, uh, they conveniently fill the Bengals' biggest needs. You know, they're all of a sudden, you know, you're drafting a tight end, you're drafting a running back, you're drafting a tackle in, in the first three rounds, or, you know, and you're drafting those three rounds in two, three, and four, and a defensive lineman's first. Like, you, you kind of see that. But, you know, I think if you were to really kind of hone it down, I think, you know, three positions that you really haven't, you know, discussed, because I, I don't think corner would be a surprise. Um, you know, I think the three would obviously be, uh, receiver linebacker and uh and safety uh you know if they were to go if they were going to go you know quote unquote off the board um I, I think there are some 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 options there and you know again like you can you can talk about kind of how these things are going to go in 2023 because you know Mike and I have had this debate before hey well you know you got to try to win now blah 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 but we mentioned with our linebacker discussion Logan Wilson Akeem Davis Gaither Bocce Bailey they're all coming up on contracts, uh, you know, at, uh, at receiver, you're in a weird situation because Jamar Chase is locked into 2024, Tyler Boyd, free agent, T Higgins, free agent, Trent Taylor, free agent. Like you're talking about right guys on. that are, you know, you're going to need to kind of rebuild your receiving room or you might need to in a year. So, you know, I think if they were to kind of stick with that, we're going to draft a player and, and kind of bring them along. 
I mean, receiver, safety, linebacker, I, I don't think that those are necessarily the craziest options in the world. Well, are you talking on just a day three pick, or are you talking on a day one or two pick? Well, dep- I mean, I think it depends. Um, I think it's pretty clear that, that Jackson Smith and Jig was going to be gone. Um, you know, but if you're sitting there and, and Zay Flowers is there at 28, where it kind of doesn't look like he's going to be available – I mean that to me is is a really really nice slot player to to throw in and you know you run some four wide in in 2023 when everybody's healthy and and you're feeling good about that and then all of a sudden in 2024 you have Jamar Chase you have Zay Flowers on a rookie contract he's your slot then if you resign T Higgins then you, there's your one two three or if T Higgins is gone then then the need is less so. Um, yeah, I think it depends if, if you're talking, you know, an elite player, you know, we mentioned the branch kid from uh, Alabama, you know, if you really like him and he's available at, at you know, first or second round, like, I don't know. I, I think it just depends. Cause I've made this, I made this kind of case before you can feel great about your receivers and say, Hey, we don't need, you know, Zay flowers is the 12th ranked player on our board, but we're going to pass him over for the 21st player because we need a tight end more. But First day of camp, Tyler Boyd hurts his knee. Then all of a sudden, you're you're in a bit of a pickle. And and I just think if if you stick to the best player available kind of model, you can avoid some of those scenarios. Right, but what if you don't draft a tight end and then Irv Smith tears his ACL? Like I, I think that you'd sure. be crazy not to draft a tight end and running back uh, in the first three rounds, just based on you know your roster right now, uh, the way you've left it in free agency. Um, you know, whether that leaves room for someone else that's not at those other positions of need, I think it's debatable. But like I said, I, I think you have to um, really, you know, focus on the, on those two positions in particular um, with those those three top three picks just because you didn't address them in free agency, really. I mean, I know you signed one tight end, but I mean, you've got two clear holes on the roster. Um you know, and so I, I think that, um, you know, investing more at a position you're already strong at is dangerous when you have some real gaps in the roster right now. This is not like a, you know, perfect situation where they just, you know, need to find depth. Like they need guys that can compete for playing time at, at multiple spots right now. And I, and I think that, you know, wide receiver would be sort of a luxury pick, which I, I don't know that they necessarily have that luxury right now. So let me ask you this, Mike, and before I ask, let me say I'm kind of with Andrew. That's kind of where I was going to go was I think there really is – I don't think there's an urgent need for wide receiver. I don't want to make it sound like they emphatically need one, but I I think there's a case to be made. But before I make the case, let me ask you this, Mike. Okay, let's assume – again, this is in this scenario. You pick a tight end and running back in either of the first two rounds in whatever order. Okay, what if you get to like round three or maybe even round four because, again, I don't think it's that urgent and maybe – You've got like, and we'll go through some of the names later, like maybe somehow Kayshawn Bowdy from LSU's on the board or Tyler Scott from UC, a local guy, and Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Like if either of those guys are on the board, I mean, you feel pretty good about tight end, no matter what happens with Irv Smith. Like say there's ACL, okay, we got a tight end in the first round. Joe Mixon is either not doing well or he gets cut, got a running back in the first round or second round. I mean, would you – not look at that as a crazy pick if you go for one of those really good wideouts in that third, fourth round? 
I don't. I mean, you're really good. I think as a stretch. I mean, this this draft isn't particularly strong at wide receiver. Um, I think, uh, you know, um, that that <laughs> you know you're going to take a flyer on a guy that's not you know maybe that doesn't have the size. I mean, I think you could do that at any point and you know get an undrafted free agent that'll kind of match that sort of that body or that production. I, I just don't know that in the third and fourth round that that's sort of necessary to do. Um, at, at that point, I, th- I think you have other spots where um, you need. Uh, I th- I'd rather have depth at defensive line than more depth at wide receiver. But to Andrew's point, and I want to get you in on this, Andrew. Like, let's say you know you go the route that you're mentioning. You don't really prioritize that, or not like prioritize it, but you don't even like do anything with it. I should say at wide receiver, and then Tyler Boyd, his knee is gone in training camp. Or well, you maybe, can literally say that about every position. It's not you can't draft like that because, like, well, what if Joe Burrow's hurt? Well, what if uh, Trey? Well, Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow's a different case. No, 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 but I'm saying like you can literally go down the roster and just say the top player gets injured. What do you do? You have to draft somebody. So I mean, I don't really think that that's how you draft. No, um, I, and, and like I, I, I will say like you're right in the way that you know if you make a luxury pick in in the first or the second round, like if you pick. You know, I don't know if you pick Michael Mayer at 28, and then in the second round you take. I'm trying to Jameer Gibbs that. if he's even there. Devin A. Chain. No, because um, you. I mean, you could need a running back. I, I'm. I'm trying to think like you know if you take a linebacker in round two, or you take a you know, receiver in round two. Like you know, I, I. I think that then you you do kind of have to change the way you draft the rest of the way because you you need another tight end. You need a running back. Uh, you need to leave the draft, but like I think early in the draft, you know, you can, you know, if you're if you're sitting there and you know there's there's a kid that you really like who you think can be a really big impact player, I mean, you can draft him. Like if you think Quentin Johnston is going to be like a genuine NFL number one receiver, take him. If you think he's going to be that game changing player, uh, as you get later in the draft, it kind of you know it kind of fades off. Now. So I think that it's one of those things where if you if you do opt for a luxury pick, you can do that. It just means that you have to kind of change the uh, the philosophical thinking of that particular draft in uh, as you kind of go through it. Because you know, like I said, if you make you take a running back first and then a linebacker second, well, you, you need you need a uh, you need some pass rush, um, you need a tight end. Like you you kind of need to look that way later. But if you think you can get an impact player early, I I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because, like, obviously you mentioned uh, Quentin Johnson. I mean, he's the top – I mean, undisputedly the top receiver in the draft, I mean, in my opinion. I mean, size-wise, his speed, you know, the way he runs vertical routes. I mean, he's, what, 6'4", 215. He's got that T. Higgins build. You know, he's he's averaging almost 19 yards per catch, I think, in college. Overall, not just his senior year. Uh, and it's not a knock on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's – up there too, but I just really I like the size on Johnston because kind of like Mike said, he he snuck in a good point there. There's not really like I looked at this class of wide receivers. There's not a lot of size. Like Johnston's six four, Jigma's only six foot, and then I'm looking at other heights like Zay Flowers five nine, Jordan Addison five eleven. You know Nathaniel Dell from Houston five eight. Like he's shorter than me. I'm five nine. <laughs> you know like I mean yeah, you got Jalen Hyatt who's six foot from Tennessee, but. Those are the exceptions. I mean, there's not really – as far as, like, the guys who really matter, if you go way down the list, there's some taller guys. But if we're talking, like, top 100, 
yeah, there's not a lot of size in there. And that's where I think you could make the case that, you know, the Bengals like taller guys, like all of their wide receivers with exception to Trent Taylor are six and up. Like, you know, Diego's is six, four, Jamar Chase is six foot, Tyler Boyd's about six, two, six, three ish. Uh, Trent and Irwin's 6'2". Like that, that's just kind of that prototype they like of like long, slender receivers. You know, there's a reason why Trent Taylor, with respect to him, well, he's 5'8", you know, it's why he's more of a, a punt returner and a backup. So, I mean, if you think, you, you know, you can go for one of those like shorter guys I mentioned. I shouldn't say short, but like shorter in rank. I think it'd be interesting because it kind of goes against the norms of how the Bengals have traditionally picked receivers. Because, I mean, look at A.J. Green. Like I said, he's kind of that you know, that 6'4 build, I mean, even John Ross, as much as we can talk about him being one of the biggest busts in team history, he was like 6'6", six 6'1". Six um, <laughs> again, that's a whole other conversation. We'll actually probably have a podcast on that in the coming days. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Andrew, if you're like the Bengals, let's say, okay, you, you kind of go to that third, fourth round tier, that early mid-round tier I was mentioning. Like I mentioned some of those names there, you know, uh, maybe there's some I didn't mention, but either from those names or other names I didn't mention, like are there some guys that you think the Bengals could or should entertain at that specific point in the draft if, you know, they're thinking about playing with a wide receiver? At wide receiver, yeah. Um, you know, one of the guys who I've, you know, like I've I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot and, and you know, obviously we're not experts, um, but, you know, kind of watching what I, what I, uh, watch what I can from Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Um, I really like him. You know, he's, he's got some, you know, he's just got innate ball skills that are kind of hard to describe. Um, you know, it, it, there's just like a feel that you can kind of tell when you watch him play where, you know, he's, he's really savvy with how to kind of how he plays a position. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, if they, if the Bengals end up do drafting, uh, Trey Palmer, we should probably have Jimmy Watkins on Jimmy covered him at, uh, at Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and I think he wrote a story about him one time where, you know, there was, they, they got him as a transfer from LSU and, you know, there were people there who were like, you know, we thought this kid was, was just as talented as, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and there were there were parts of Trey's game that people really liked about him and I remember he told me that months ago so that that kind of has always stuck with me so you know I think that that um you know that could be a an option for them in in the mid rounds if you want to do that um you know and then there are guys where you can look at and you know as you get to the later rounds you know a Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland kind of stands out to me just because you know uh, it, with Talia in Maryland, I mean, how, what was that quarterback situation? Like, you know, I, he ran a four, 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 40. I, I don't know if that was too many fours, um, but he, uh, <laughs> you know, he ran, um, you know, he ran decently well at the combine. Um, you know, I, I think of another guy, Darius Davis, you know, he was, uh, he was kind of shadowed by, by Quentin Johnston at, uh, at TCU and, you know, he's not that big of a guy, so he'd be playing in the slot, but you know, there, there are guys late and, um, I, uh, I I think that you, you I would actually you know not really be surprised at all if kind of from round three on if if wide receiver is on the board for them. I like that you mentioned Palmer and actually I didn't realize Jimmy covered him. I actually wonder did Jimmy cover Cam Taylor Britt because you said Nebraska right? Oh yes yeah he uh, yeah when so Jimmy came down covered the Browns game here. And uh, he and Cam talked for a few minutes. And, yeah, Cam uh, – I walked up to Cam later. I was like, hope you didn't tell him anything good. And uh, <laughs> Cam was like, oh, no. He, uh, he's like, he and I are boys from Nebraska. So, Oh, that's funny. No, that's actually cool. I, I just made that connection. I don't, I don't think there's any other Nebraska dogs on that team, but that, that's pretty cool. You know, with Palmer, it's interesting. I was just kind of looking at his numbers as you mentioned it. You know, he's a former five-star recruit. 
Um, he was at LSU, actually. I don't know when he was there. I think it was after Joe Burrow was there, but it was at LSU one point. Goes to Nebraska, freaky fast speed. I mean, ran a 4-3, 340-yard dash. But the reason why he's on the middle to lower tier in terms of athleticism and production is it's just his route running, I think, uh, is not questionable, but it really isn't the best. It looks like kind of the analysis that you know a lot of experts have is that gives coverage just too many breaks. So maybe that's something he improves. But, I mean, you know, the Bengals like fast guys. They also like big guys. I think he's about 5'11", 6 foot, so maybe that's a guy that you can work on as a project. And then if Tyler Boyd's not back in 2024, maybe that's your guy. Maybe he kind of fits that bill. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Bengals' sneaky draft needs. And we're going to sort of look at the past and how that short sort of molds the present for the Bengals with the draft in two weeks. Plus, we're going to get into a little Super Mario talk, if you know what I mean. Stay tuned for all that right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So as me, Andrew, and Mike have been talking about some sneaky needs that the Bengals might have in the draft, wide receiver is a, a talking point that came up a lot. Um, you know, Andrew mentioned Trey Palmer from Nebraska, a guy that the Bengals could look at in mid-round. I think, you know, two names that come to mind, if the Bengals want to target someone in that third to fifth round tier, I like Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. I know I'm a hypocrite because he's 5'10", and I said the Bengals – traditionally like to and should go for taller guys. But, you know, I mean, I think he's just got skill being a former running back who in some ways, I guess you could say still learning the position, you know, but I think that's coveted. I think maybe that's something that actually the Bengals could, you know, get a lot out of being, you know, from the area definitely helps ran a four, 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 40. That was a lot of fours. Um, but I really like Jaden Reed. I really like him. He's got nice soft hands. You know, uh, he didn't have much help with Michigan state's passing attack last year, but I mean, to do what he did, doing all he could, and having those numbers he had, I think there's no shame in that. Really nuanced route runner, um, and I think he's just been doing it really all throughout college if you look at just his tape from start to finish. Uh, so those are you know my names, I think, that come to mind. And if I were doing a mock draft, like now that I think about it, and I'm in that third, fourth round, I might say, okay, if you know either of them are on the board, let's uh, divvy it up. Let's have some fun. Um, if you want to go like later in the draft, I think Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia is good. Six four wide receiver, um, not as raw as the other names, but like if you like size, that's a good guy. Um, but you know, there's actually one question I wanted to ask in terms of like sneaky needs. We know the Bengals are going to bring in a punter because they said there's going to be competition with Drew Chrisman in training camp. Uh, whether it be seventh round or an undrafted free agent, there's going to be somebody. But like if you're in the seventh round and you've pretty much got all your boxes checked, like offensive tackle, running back, tight end, maybe even wide receiver at some point. Is it too much to ask for, for a punter? Like if you have Bryce Berenger or Michael Turk available, or do you say don't even take a chance, just focus on like a non-special teams pick and then handle that in free agency after the draft? Well, Darren Simmons said at the uh, combine that there were probably no draft-worthy punters so uh i mean probably just wait for sign somebody as a priority undrafted free agent um and then try to take a swing at a guy that's fallen on your board that um you know put a, a different spot where you know you're not wasting a pick so just going by their words seems like uh not the smartest move to just draft a punter be- to get one when you can just sign one I mean, Andrew, I know we, I mean, that is true. Darren Simmons didn't say that, but do you think maybe the Bengals have a change of heart right before, you know, draft day? 
No, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think you draft a punter. I think, you know, if you, if you were going to use a, a selection like that, um, you know, where you're, you're going to take a punter, like if you, if you take a punter, I mean, you have got to give that kid every single possible chance to win that job because you don't want to waste a roster spot on a guy who might not make the team. Like if you're, if you're going to do that, you know, I, I think it would be much smarter for them to, to draft a quarterback um, and, and kind of have a, have a younger player under Burrow to, to kind of develop. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I, like if, if you're going to go that route, you know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I would probably lean quarterback over punter. Yeah, actually, man, now, now I'm kind of with you because I'm thinking if it's the seventh round, and Carrington Valentine is on that board, who I think the he has visited with the Bengals from what I've seen in reports. And he went to Muller High School, same high school as Sam Hubbard, played at my alma mater, Kentucky, although I didn't cover him. So I know I'm biased when I say this, but even objectively, like if that's a guy that's on the board in the seventh round, yeah, I'd probably take him over Bryce Berenger. But I don't know, Berenger was interesting to me because he was punter of the year in the Big Ten last year. And obviously Drew Christman is a former Ohio State Buckeye, so a little Big Ten punting competition would have been nice. But who knows, maybe... You know, he goes undrafted. Maybe the Bengals get lucky and say, okay, we didn't have to waste a pick on you. Let's sign you and actually make that Big Ten uh, competition come to life. But I think with Chrisman, too, I mean, again, there's going to be competition. But, like, I would think if, like like Andrew said, if you're going to bring in a guy with that seventh-round pick, you're going to give him all the reps, hoping that he almost beats Chrisman out. Because, like, here's the thing. Punter is not, like, the most urgent need, like wide receiver, but – they have to do something there because, I mean, let's be real. I don't want to put the entire AFC championship loss on Drew Chrisman. That's beyond unfair. But, I mean, what if that punt goes 10, 20 yards farther back? And I know it's part of the coverage, too. I'm not just going to put it on his leg. But, I mean, if it goes for a little bit farther back, maybe Sky Moore doesn't make that return, no matter what Joseph Osai does at the end of the game. Maybe we have a different conversation. But, I mean, I get it. It's one play. Maybe I'm overblowing it, but. I mean, Darren Simmons wasn't happy about it when he talked about it. You could tell he was very upset because, I mean, he's an old-school guy. He's been doing this for, like, 20-plus years with the Bengals. So, I don't know. I think if you're not going to get in the seventh round, just make sure you get the best free agent you can get, which they're going to do. But that's where I think the emphasis should be. To kind of tie all this together, I mean, you know, I think later uh, next week and the week after leading into draft day, I want to actually go back and look back at some of the specific drafts the Bengals have had, like the 2020 draft and 2021 draft, which, you know, those are two of the most influential drafts they've had in recent memory. But when you just kind of look at the trends the Bengals have had in the draft, I guess you could say the last three years, you know, looking at that and then just assessing all that we've talked about with, you know, the positions that they need up to this point, like how how well do you think the Bengals have like nailed the draft process in the last three years? Like, do you think they're drafting better than a lot of teams in the last three years, or do you think there's just kind of luck? I mean, like how how much do you sort of trust the process? I guess is what I'm getting at. Well, I think you know some of the better. I mean, there there are teams that are better at it than others. Um, you know, I think you can you can kind of know who those teams are just over the last handful of years. I mean. You know, the Ravens have been really good. The Seahawks have been really good. The Packers have been really good. Um, you know, you, you can you can kind of figure it out and you can point to the teams who haven't been good. You know, the Browns, uh, the Jets, like there have been some teams that have been been really bad. But I, I think pretty much anybody will tell you that the draft, I mean, it's you can be better at it than others, but it is for a lot of 
you know, for a lot of people, a crapshoot. I mean, like the 2019 class for the Bengals, like the first three picks in that with Jonah Williams, Drew Sample, Jermaine Pratt, um, to, like one of them is doesn't sound like he's going to come back. One of them has requested a trade and one of them got re-signed. You know, the, the 2020 class looks really good because it has Joe Burrow and T Higgins and Logan Wilson as your first three. And that looks really good. And then, you know, in 20, I think it's too early to grade 22, but in 21, Jamar Chase, Jackson Carmen, Joseph Osai, like Jamar was obviously a major success, but that was also wasn't a layup pick because you had other options there, but it was a smart pick, but he's, you knew he was going to be good. And I don't know. I just think that, you know, you can, you can make good picks at, you know, presti- at, at nice spots and you're really going to find out how good they are at drafting over these next handful of years when you're not picking Joe Burrow first and Jamar Chase fifth, like you're, you're going to have, you're going to have some challenges here. So, um, I mean, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be cyclical. I think you're gonna you're gonna have a year where, hey, they're gonna draft four starters with eight picks, and it's gonna be a really successful draft. And there's gonna be a year where it's like, all right, you know, maybe one guy from this class in three or four years is is thinking about a second contract. So it's uh, I think it is it all just kind of depends. It all just fluctuates. Yeah, and I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase sort of paper over some of the weaknesses too. Like that 21 draft classes, yeah. uh, other than Chase and McPherson, which was a good pick in the fifth round, um, is pretty, pretty not, I mean, bad, I mean, bad, I guess. I mean, you know, there's still room uh, for those players uh, to sort of um, make their mark, I suppose, but um, it's not trending in the right direction. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned the 2019 draft and after Jermaine Pratt, um, I think only one, I'm looking at it right now, I think Travion Williams is the only guy still on the roster. Yep. Um, same thing, you know, 2018, Bates and Hubbard, and then everybody else is is basically a bust. So um, it's been actually pretty hit or miss, and I think when you draft, you know, the franchise quarterback and you get that right, everybody celebrates you, which is, you know, I think can't be understated that teams have missed that and how much it sets back the franchise. So I think that is a victory. But in terms of finding sort of consistency across the rest of the draft, um, you know, Duke Tobin's record is not necessarily like spotless. And he's been doing this for a long time, too. Um, and this franchise um, <laughs> hasn't been known for winning a Super Bowl, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, didn't have a lot of playoff wins until Joe Burrow got here. So, like, I don't, you know, how do you measure success with the draft? It's probably playoff wins. So, I don't know. You know, it's like he's, not i i think perfect in that regard so i don't know that you know faith or like um saying oh he's gonna get this right because you've had such a i mean it's pretty spotty you know i I think and i don't don't think that's being unfair yeah i think it's it's not no i I agree it's not too because you know you can like you can go like the 2020 draft like t higgins could have been a bust you know the like it, it like t higgins could have flopped he could have not been good Logan Wilson could have not been good, but if you kind of like, there are certain numbers, you know, there's like approximate value and things that, that people use to kind of, to kind of look at, Hey, here's how successful a draft class was, or here's how many games played you got out of a draft class. Like if you hit on one of those guys, like specific, you know, specifically a Joe Burrow, who, you know, you would assume here is going to be, or is going to be in Cincinnati and uh, for a, for a pretty long time, you know, some of that can kind of mask over it. So, um, you know, I think, you know, you can hit home runs, but you've also got to start hitting some singles. And, uh, you know, that 
that is is kind of how you build a long-term sustainable product rather than just you know keep swinging for the fence I like what you said there, Andrew. I think that really, like how you said hitting singles encapsulates everything that kind of sums up how they've done the last couple of years and what that means as we look ahead to, like I said, almost exactly two weeks from now that, you know, they're going to be doing the same thing again. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk more specifically about like the 2020 class and the 2021 class later, you know, to kind of preview the draft. But I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that. And you guys had some great takes there. I mean, like Mike said, I think maybe sometimes Joe Burrow's success, which is, again, a big one, it can overshadow some blind spots. And if you go way back, like, I'm not just talking the last 10 years, the last 20 years, you know, which is, you know, I think Dude Tobin's been there since 1999. I mean, almost as long as I've been alive. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things you could point at, like, since then. Because, I mean, don't forget, there's a reason why they drafted Carson Palmer. They were 2-14 and 14 the year before that, just like they were when they drafted Joe Burrow in uh, 2020. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But I'm glad I got y'all's thoughts on that. I, I want to wrap up with something that um, I know is going to get Mike fired up but with good reason. And I think, Andrew, this will excite you too, and I probably will be too. Uh, Mike, I think you mentioned this uh, off the mic the other day. You watched the new Mario movie that just came out recently with your kids, right? Correct. What did you think of it? Well, it was very good. Um, really? Okay. I've seen some reviews online that said it wasn't like meaningful enough or didn't uh, do enough, didn't take like a didn't uh, take any risks, but, um, you know, I thought it was really enjoyable from start to finish. Um, you know, the animation and the, how much they included on the screen was pretty crazy, especially if you're a fan of the games. Um, there's there's not a moment that goes by without something uh, that'll catch your attention, and the kids loved it, and that's sort of the barometer for success, I think, with those movies. Um, you know, I think my youngest said it was the best ever, so uh, it was just a lot really? of Really? Uh, just a lot of fun. So, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's for sure. How old is he? Eight. The youngest? Said he's eight? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Hey, I remember being eight years old. If an eight-year-old said it, I'll, I'll take his word for it because I had the same feelings about a lot of movies at the age of eight. Andrew, are, are you, like, into those kind of movies? Like, Lego movie, like Mario movie? Are you into those kinds of animations? No, not really. I actually saw Air last night. Um, the... Uh... The oh, Michael yeah. Jordan movie, um, like the, the, I guess technically it's a Nike movie, um, but I'm sure there was some input. I, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would like to see Super Mario. What's it called? Is it Super Mario? What's it called? The movie the Super, Super Mario Bros. Just movie. the yes. Super yeah, Mario. Okay, so like I, I would like to see that. Um, don't know if I'll pay money to see it. Might wait for that to come out on like a. Uh, I guess pay money directly to see it. Um, might wait for that to come out on like an HBO or a Amazon or something. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I typically don't lean that way. Like I said, I saw Air last night. That was pretty good. Um, there's a one. There's one coming out in a couple of weeks. Big George Foreman or something. Um, oh really? Want to see that? Okay. So, yeah, I, I typically uh, kind of delve. I, I really like kind of like biography, like biographical movies and things like that. So. Have you guys seen the Lego movie before? The one that came out like nine years ago? Yeah, we've seen the Lego movie. I, I haven't seen it, but is that movie kind of similar to the Mario movie that you watched? No. No? Okay. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen either one. I haven't seen the I mean, movie, they're both animation, but they're not very similar, no. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm kind of like Andrew. I don't lean toward those movies, but like I personally have nothing against them either. But maybe like once Ramadan is over next week and I have some free time, I'll have to go to the movies and I might I might check it out. Maybe I'll take you with me, Andrew. Maybe we'll both kind of like step out of our comfort zones and watch the Mario movie. But no, I'm going to say I'm, I'm more like Andrew's forte. I like uh, – on the one hand, I like biographies. I like historical dramas. Like have you guys ever seen like Judas and the Black Messiah? It came out – Two years ago, Daniel Kaluuya was in that movie. He's like the main protagonist. It's pretty did good. Not, I don't know how, what'd you say? Did not. You should watch it. It's it's about the Black Panthers. It's uh it's actually based on a true story. It's based on a Fred Hampton who like founded the organization. Very insightful. That's pretty good. But you know, I also mentioned a few weeks ago, like I like the movie Cocaine Bear, which in terms of my sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, as much as there's some gruesomeness in that movie, don't get me wrong, like, the humor compensates for it. And so, like, if you want to get me excited, I know that sounds bizarre, but, I mean, those kind of movies, like, will get me pretty excited. I have a very interesting taste when it comes to movies. Like, I know some people are confused, maybe even perplexed, but that's just who I am. I'm, 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 I have no shame in that. But have you guys not seen Cocaine Bear, by the way, up to this point? I know we talked about it a while ago. Have you guys seen it yet? I saw it. I thought it was disappointing. Whoa, 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 it. whoa. Okay, we got, we, got, we got to talk about this. I need to know why. Uh, I thought the first 30 minutes were okay, but then it just sort of was, was boring. Wait, wait, hang on. You thought after the first 30 minutes it was boring? Yes. That's like where the climax was coming together, man. I mean, I don't want to yeah, give anything away if people haven't seen it, it but like, it gets pretty climactic. I, I, I disagree. Man... You had me in the first half, Mike. You had me first half. Because, I mean, it, it is interesting to start. I think we both agree on that, but I don't know. I, I think even if you wanted a better ending, I think the climax was fine, but I digress. Stay with us as uh, we're going to wrap up the week uh, talking about how Joe Burrow is going to benefit or not benefit from uh, this year's free agent class and what it means for the draft uh, in terms of Burrow's success. And we're going to actually do our first official mocked draft on this podcast Friday. Make sure you tune in for that. We've got some more specials coming up on this podcast in the next couple weeks, so make sure you tune in. Once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Amon. We will see you.